Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. You over there. Stop. Get a cold drink. The comfy chair is calling you. Turn the volume up a little bit. This is the agency. My name is Eugene Napick in Toronto. And this is Candy Minks in Chicago. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks, Candy. How are good, you? Good, good. You can hear me okay? Everything's going to be okay with our sound today? <laughs> it sounds okay now. Right, right. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle, and we did have a audience complaint. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know if I was, I thought I was slouching, but it seems that I knocked the mic last week, and I knocked off my settings. So I'm very sorry, listeners, but we hope we fixed it this week. Yeah, you're sounding okay to me now. Okay. Hopefully to okay. our listeners, you sound good. okay. I hope so, too. Um, but you've got a missive. Uh, we we have a, an email from um, okay. from one of the friends of the uh, the agency, uh, Adam Andia. Okay. Not sure what the problem was with Candy's sound. Oh no, that's my reply. Oh. <laughs> um, let's go back here. Um, okay. Hi. I say scones with an O sound. Speaking of sound, Candy sounds muffled. I had oh, trouble dear. hearing her, all, all her words clearly. Eugene is very clear, and the tomato lady was very clear, too. <laughs> tomato lady? Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I replied, I'm not sure what the problem was with Candy's sound. Uh, we'll try to figure it out and fix it for next time. Uh, and I asked the question, in your world, is it okay to put blueberries in scones with an O? I thought it was normal, but Candy was talking about being a purist and not using berries and uh, adamandia replied and said i don't know about blueberries but definitely chocolate oh yeah i've had them with chocolate but i still prefer them plain but chocolate i would take over berries anytime okay. but i love blueberries but i just don't want them in my scone and um my my scone has no in my world too <laughs> it's just pronounced wrong <laughs> well i i guess everyone's different you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i've been um inspired in the garden since last week oh, when we had so our, our garden so tips I, yeah uh, what have you been up to out there well i've massively been working my ass off and i'm so tired and i feel like i have no time left for anything <laughs> but the gardening looks like the plants are really responding they're getting they've grown inches in, they, since thursday inches <laughs> it's great it's a beautiful thing isn't it <laughs> I, I have enough growth that yesterday I picked a first salad. Oh, yeah, I could probably pick a salad, but I'm not going to. They're pretty young still. Yeah, That's I amazing. picked like a leaf here, a leaf there. Yeah. Um, rock, uh, Swiss chard uh, and uh, lettuce and a little bit of sorrel as well and some herbs. Mm, very nice. Well, I planted, um, I planted everything. I planted rosemary, thyme, tarragon because I'm about to in, in, embark on a French cooking uh, pastime because we ate in Antoine's and I want to make some of their recipes. So I started writing a grocery list of what I need, lemons and white wine vinegar and stuff like that. I haven't had any time to cook because I've been in the garden. So I planted six tomato plants, some rosemary, sage, oregano, a bunch of flowers. And then I made a mistake. I bought some perennials and they're really, really beautiful, but I didn't realize they had to go into the ground. But I put them in large pots. And maybe I'm going to have to give them to Steve and Susan out in Iowa or something like that. If I go to see them, maybe I'll take those out there. Because um, 
you know, she said, well, I just didn't realize they had to go in the ground. They have been Some perennials like that, that, that winter in, in pots. And plus okay. we have a canoe garden and they winter in the canoe garden. Oh. But we cheated. We cut the bottom out of the canoe. And let it go into the ground. Yes. Okay. So it and looks like you... it's a container, but we, <laughs> right. you know how hard it is to cut the bottom out of a canoe? Well, I hope it is. Because yeah, otherwise it's... the canoe's not going to be very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really difficult. <laughs> good. Those things are tough, man. It just takes boulders cut it. That's what, if you want to put a hole in the canoe, run into a boulder. <laughs> so I planted all my tomato plants okay. and overnight some critter oh, no. broke one of the tomato plants. Oh. I was really upset. Yeah. Because it was just planted. This was couple days ago and this critter who i believe is a raccoon or maybe a skunk goes through all the pots and digs for (laughs) grubs you can see the holes were rubbing and uh just stepped on my (laughs) tomato plant and broke it and just left it for dead he stepped on it so i thought well i'm going to replace this tomato plant it's not like a, a fancy pants tomato plant like i got from jennifer but i whipped up to my local garden center well there's been so many people at the garden center but all that remains is like it's like an archaeological dig oh. little bits and pieces of plants here and there uh, they yeah. all look really spindly it's all like the leftover stuff so i i looked at this tomato plant and i had this really long spindly stem and i thought this poor pathetic charlie brown tomato plant <laughs> and then i remembered jennifer telling us oh. that you could you could bury part of the stem of your tomato plant and roots will come out that. of the she stem. She did say that. So I thought, ha, ha, ha. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to acquire this tomato plant and see how that theory works. So I got to the cache and um, I said, behold, this tomato plant. This is the most pathetic example of a tomato plant I've ever seen. How much are you going to pay me to take it off your hands? Oh, my God. And the poor cashier just looked at me. I'm sure she was thinking, oh, God, the smart ass, there's one every day. Yep. And she said, it's $3.99, sir. (laughs) You're going to pay me $3.99? No, sir, you're going to pay me (laughs) $3.99. So I did. Oh, my God. Too funny. Yeah, so then, uh, yeah, well, I mean, everything seems to be responding very well. I mean, we've grown tomatoes before, and it's gone very well. Um, and I did figure out gardening is just like housework, but outside. And so I'm pretty tired, but I really did enjoy it. And it is more fun than housework. But it's, it's way more fun. Yeah, housework, it's a lot of work. Well, well, when things start growing in the house, you have a bigger worry. Oh, that's true. That's true. No, yeah, that's right. You don't want that. Um, but, you know, very pleasant. I sat outside and I've been looking at them in the morning and I go out and look at them and they look really good. <laughs> hey, I have to... Uh go back in time and add an appendage to something I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Uh, An appendage? An appendix? Yeah, or a fix it or something. I don't know. Something like, anyway, I was talking about a book that I had started reading um, called The Innocent by Ian McEwen. Oh, yeah. Well, I finished the book and look, I haven't, I haven't ruined a book in a long time. Okay. And I'm going to ruin this one right right now today. Okay. I, what I told you the last time was that it was set in 1954 Berlin and it involves the Americans and the British together digging a tunnel from the American sector underground 
into the Russian sector to tap into their phone lines. Okay. Based on true events. That part of it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. But as I continued on in the book, the side story in the book, which is the protagonist, uh, Leonard, and his love interest, uh, who is a, a, a divorced woman, German woman, um, who lives in fear of her ex-husband who gets drunk, shows up, asks for money, and beats her up. Mm. And they kept embellishing this part of the plot. And I thought, it's just coloring in, you know, between the okay. lines. It's just not necessary at all to have any of this. There's a perfectly good spy story here. Why are you getting involved in all this extraneous stuff? Well, ex-husband shows up at their apartment and there's a nasty fight ensues and they wallop the guy over the head and kill him. Okay. Now we have and, a murder mystery. And then, yeah, all of a sudden it's a murder <laughs> mystery. And they, they then, the author then spends about Oh, I don't know, a dozen pages in this book. I didn't count them. It seemed like a dozen pages. Too many talking pages. in great detail about uh, how they went about sawing up the body and putting oh. it in, in cases. Yeah. Like page after page of this stuff. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is a little bit of overkill. You might as well read 2666. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know that I don't need that in my no, life. No. So. Some people really love a ghoulish murder mystery. And, um, you know, I'm going to say that some of the nicest people I know on the planet, the lovely Margaret and Wally, they, Margaret, the more crazy, violent, gruesome a murder story is, the more she likes it. And this woman is the gentlest woman in the world. Hi, Margaret in Calgary. Uh, well, yeah, so, I mean, that doesn't well, she, seem to face them. Whereas my sister, no way, any violence or anything, she can't watch it at all, just about. They whack the guy over the head, they kill him. They cut him up and they put him in a case and they have this idea that they they can't just say what happened, they feel, because no one's going to believe them and they'll be charged for murder and go to jail. And they don't want to go to jail. So they have this idea that he's going to go out with the luggage and he's going to rent a locker at the train station and he's going to put the cases in the locker and then leave. Now, this has really changed its storyline. Well, exactly. Exactly. So he goes out to do it, and the cases don't fit in the rental lockers. So he doesn't know what to do. So what does he do? He takes them to the, the top secret tunneling installation. Hmm. And he drops them in the tunnel. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> And the two worlds what you, collide. What do you uh, think the appeal of the the protagonist that sort of kills somebody or is involved in it and then does doesn't and they're they didn't do anything wrong, but they don't go to the police. Or they did something a little bit wrong and they don't go to the police. What do you think the appeal of that storyline is? Because it shows up a lot. Uh, maybe uh, maybe it appeals to the fact that everybody has secrets. Oh, that makes sense. And that we're keeping something that we don't want anyone to know. And that's the metaphor for it. Okay. Oh, that works for me. That works for me. Because we're having that happen in the mayor of East Town right now. Oh my goodness. Episode six. It was so good. I mean, I don't want to give away. It was not the feel away... good episode of the year. No, I can't talk about a lot of it. I was, I was so upset. I could was, feel choked was, up just thinking about it right it now. It was very dark. 
Yeah, but the, then it was the relief was that the stupid brothers were getting all mixed up in things. So that yeah. actually was a relief to me. Yeah, and you know what? What kind of bugged me is, and I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. The guy she has to arrest is at a fishing camp, and she's going to go get get him alone without backup and off she goes and you know next episode bad things are going to happen <laughs> you just well, it, know it it is a murder story <laughs> it's a murder story but the yeah. weird thing about it is that everybody is either family or very close to being family right because it's such a small community yes yes and everybody is even more dysfunctional than most of us yeah, I, I suppose that's true. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They're way worse than I am. <laughs> it's such a good series that I am really sorry. I might watch the whole thing again because I've loved it that much. Yeah, it is a terrific, um, I'm terrific really, series. I really, really love every second of it. And a couple of uh, women in my neighborhood, uh, friends of mine, they're watching it now too. Um, and we're texting back and forth. Okay, did you watch last night? Oh my God, right? So... That was pretty. The last two episodes have been. The last two episodes have been really, really good, and exactly what you hope for. And I'm so glad it's a mini series, even though I want to know these people for the rest of my life. Yes, but you can know them for the rest of your life, contained in the story. True. The story doesn't have to keep going on, right? No, I know. It doesn't have to be Bonanza going on for 20 years or something. Yeah, that's funny because shows like that, they didn't do any character development at all. Like no, no. All, this, all the TV shows from the 60s and 70s and 80s, no character development, right? And I mean, Homicide, I guess, was the 80s. And that's one of those shows that really started to develop characters. Oh, wait, that's not true. The 80s had a lot of character development because of, uh, um, you know, what's a... Um, oh, I watched a couple of shows I really loved. Barney Miller even had character development. <laughs> Well, yes, and, Barney Miller and did And NYPD Blue did, and so was the one with The Hill. I forgot the name of that. I love that show. But I watched it long after it came out. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. My dad watched it, and it was a, a cop show. I know the one you mean. I can't think yeah. of the name either. I can't remember of it. Hill Street Blues. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that was one a good show, too. <laughs> hey, you know what's weird is that um, I listened to a couple of um, podcasts, and then I listened to a new one this week, and it's really, really good. And it just reminded me about character development. It's called She Done It. And it's hosted by Carolyn Crampton, which is such a great mystery name. Carolyn Crampton? Doesn't that sound like a it's mystery It's a great name, yeah. Isn't it? And um, it's called The Podcast That Unravels the Mysteries Behind Classic Detective Stories. And it's an incredibly well- that sounds really interesting. It's super interesting. You will love it. And um, it's super well- um, conceived. What's the and, title again? She done it. She so done there's it. a great, great title, title. Great title. And they actually sat down and really worked out some details in the podcast. I believe, <laughs> unlike some people we know. <laughs> oh come on, we planned oh, everything. We planned everything. But no, listen. Even when there's a, a like a commercial, it's a for a book, and it's really well done. And then she tells you about Agatha. The first chat. The first episode is about Agatha Christie and her cool Perot. And kind of how Agatha Christie made a mistake by making him too old. And she didn't like him and she got tired of writing about him. She was stuck with that character. And her, her advice was make sure you better like working with that character if you're going to have a repetitive character. And then I guess she did fall in love with him. And that was the paycheck too, because everybody wanted more of him. Yeah, of uh, but 
And then it stops and says, if you want to know more about behind the scenes of this episode, then then you can pledge and go into an in-depth podcast. Now, I'm not going to do that because the podcast that she is giving is more than enough behind the scenes for me personally. It's like, I didn't even know I wanted to know behind the scenes. And so the little bit of nuggets I'm getting from it, it has so far been very satisfying. But if that, you want that, to... That approach sounds just a, a tad mercenary. I know it does. I, and I think I didn't make it sound very nice. But I, mind I you, think, we, we have a Patreon page and we we most episodes, we don't even mention it. Yeah, but we probably desperately should. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, we should, and we do we really appreciate page. our patrons and the more than thing, you know. The other thing I thought we could do was, you know, if we could write a story and a mystery story, maybe we could put it on Patreon only, and that's how you go get it. But, I mean, we could decide to give it to people for free anyway. Okay, they, we have to talk about this mystery story. First of all, do. whose idea was this? Was it one of our listeners? I don't, I think it was partly our idea, and then I think Tim encouraged it, but he wanted us to put a Yeti in it, and I'm not all oh, about the great. Yeti. Right. Although I wouldn't mind if there was um, a Sasquatch in it, but I would want that maybe not the first time I write the story. Maybe that could be a side story in it. So, um, we, and that it be a Canadian story. And so that's what Tim had said, I think, or we had kind of said, okay. could we do a Canadian mystery or something? So we've been kicking this idea around and we thought, well, let's, what if we actually tried to do it? And right. the other night, somewhat <laughs> to my horror, you sent me all this material. Oh, all the, I like how you put that. You made it sound so much better than I thought it would be. Because it was I, really only five pages, I think. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, she's got <laughs> characters. She's got plot development. I, got I have zero, zero. And I'm reading all this. It's, it's like she's got a half developed novel already. Wow. Thank you, Eugene. So, I didn't feel like it was that much, but I think what I was thinking was um, I left one of the characters, there's a name, but I don't say what he does. And I just thought it could almost be like, um, you know, if you got something picked up from what somebody might write, you could go with it a bit if you wanted to. And then if we didn't like it, we'll, we'll, we'll tear it apart. But I guess I just had a couple of things that I knew that would interest me in developing a character. Well, that's or, one way to start. Yeah, it's one way, and it may not be the way to start. I might just have to write a mystery novel by myself. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, but if we are going to do this, and yeah. I'm, I'm saying we could try. We could try. We could try. But what we need, we need a couple of things. We need to make a roadmap for, like, what are the rules of collaboration? Right, we do need to make a rule of a roadmap. We have to know what we could each do to this thing that we're creating. Sure, and I think you can do anything, but then you also have the option to say, I can't negotiate that. And I don't know whether you would put, it'd be like your safe word in um, sadomasochism or something, you have to have a safe word. So I think if you wanted something, you really had to have it in the novel, you've got to say, this I can't change. We also have to balance <laughs> the idea of the story arc. In other words, you know it and I don't. So I don't know it. I don't you need know to have it. some kind of discussion about. I mean, you're starting this. You've you've come up with the beginning of true, it. Because, yeah, true. Uh, how I, how do you imagine we collaborate? Do you think that I'll look at this and say, "Oh, 
I'm going to take these ideas and I'm going to write a bunch of stuff and send it back to her. And then she's going to rip that up and she's going to write a bunch of stuff and send it back to me. And then we're going to arm wrestle over what we're going to keep in. No, that is, that, is that the so, process you're, you're No, thinking? but that, and that sounds so um, uh, not fun. It sounds so like dark and heavy. Well, exactly. Thinking, so how do we make it fun? How do we make it work? I don't know. <laughs> I guess I like your idea. I see why you're saying a roadmap. I really like the idea of not, of not having, of, of throwing out a couple of roadmaps and then having them clash because I'm not attached to um, a really formal detective um, mystery. I do want a bad guy purse caught or a bad woman caught. I do want there to be some suspense and I do want some nice characters. Okay, so we're beginning to have some rules. A roadmap, yeah, a roadmap. that's right. Those are some of the things I would like. And... Um, you know, I, I also don't mind if something goes on a tangent. I, I, I wouldn't have a problem if something went a little experimental, but got reeled back in again by somebody else or ignored and just left there hanging. Um, I don't mind if something's not completely wrapped up as long as the murder mystery is wrapped up. Okay. So are, should we decide? Do I have a lot more rules than you? <laughs> should, well, I don't have any yet. <laughs> Uh, should should we decide, for instance, um, who gets killed, who does the killing, who's the red herring? Is there a red herring? I don't know. I well, mean, should I... should we have some basic uh, things that we can riff around? It's like it's like Ornette Coleman, you know. It's free jazz, but there is some structure there. It Absolutely. Was, you know what and I'm saying? I, we have I to guess find. I feel like... I guess I feel like um, that's what we could do. I do feel that. I think it is jazz, and I think there are some structures, and um, I do see it like that, actually. And, and do, you, do you see it as a back-and-forth sort of process? Like, um, I now do some stuff, you don't you do not do anything, I send you stuff, then you do some stuff? Is that how we know. do it? Or do know. we I both guess... just keep adding stuff? We could have... I think we, we should get chapters stuff. that completely contradict one another. And that's not necessarily bad. I think we should keep adding stuff. Okay. Just make it like a loop, like a, get the ideas out there. Get the feeling out there. Just keep adding stuff until we have a yes. compendium of stuff. And, and then, then it's, at some point, we're going to have to talk about what we've got. Correct. There, I love it already. Okay. <laughs> that's exactly what I think we should do. And the great thing is, if we have something that's kind of interesting, but doesn't work, in that story, we can put it to the side for something else. It's okay. like we made too much um, sourdough bread, so we're going to put the dough, we're going to keep our sourdough mixture. And I, I think we have to have an agreement which basically says if if I look at something you've said and I say, well, that's shit, um, yeah, could, you won't take you it personally. It, could you say it a little gentler than that? <laughs> you say this is confusing <laughs> say it like you usually do eugene i don't this is what you usually say to me you say i don't have any idea what you're talking about <laughs> well i when read I the material that you me. sent and i i could understand what you you were talking you about could? it's your papers that usually when you ask me to to do an edit job or something on your papers i don't know where to start man because there's so many ideas you've got a head full of ideas I got a few. How, how does that go ahead? I got a head full of ideas driving me insane. 
Yes. And I, I don't feel insane yet. I mean, I know I am insane, but I don't feel it. I'm enjoying the process. And I think that it's going to be like that too. I have a bunch of other little weird ideas that I didn't send to you last night or the other night. Okay, I kept so, them back. I kept so them back. So I'm going to send you some stuff in a few days. All right. And you know what? If you want to just start fresh with nothing to do with what I wrote, please do. I, I don't have a problem with that. Well, I'll, I'll send, I'll add stuff to, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make it a file. So it's not an email. All right. And I'll add to the file and we'll build it in a file. All right. So we at least that we have, yeah. and we have but, a box. And I guess you can even tell by looking at it. And I think this is probably a really boring podcast right now. I can't tell, but two of the characters are, and possibly a cop I see as being reoccurring characters that solve, that get into trouble. So that is one thing I do Hi, see, James. but it, Hijinx, but I don't feel super attached to that yet. Okay. And I don't have to do that with you. I could put them into a little short film or something. So I've always, yes. for me, it's infinite. I've always got something I can do with that. Okay. And with so, anything that we write. Listeners, speaking if, of, if you oh, have yeah. some opinions about what we're doing here <laughs> and you want to complicate our oh lives God, more by sending us your opinions, yes, do so. Please at do. At gmail.com. Right. Excellent. And speaking of jazz... I think we both watched Soul. Well, or did well, you ever get? Did you get back to it? Not yet. Didn't get back to it. Oh well, that's okay. Then I'll save it for when I, you I'm going to try. Eventually. I'm going to try to get back to it. Right. You know, the first five minutes of Soul, I thought <laughs> this is going to be so good. Oh. I thought this is going to be so great, and then he falls down a manhole, and everything goes to hell. I well, I just lost it after that. It's well, like. Well, this is dumb. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. But um, okay, let's before we go further. I I did take a note that I had realized I hadn't realized I did watch it at the holiday season, but the first twelve minutes are don't have the credits yet. The, the opening credits don't start for twelve minutes, and I thought that was really cool. It is a Disney movie, and in fact, it is not unlike some movies like Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty and uh, Julie Christie, where he accidentally gets hit by a car and he's a musician and he tries to get back into a body and it's not unlike it's a wonderful life with jimmy stewart who also dies so and i so, think that's the death part although it's it goes to hell and it's not a hell it's he double hockey sticks they even say that and um but it's not that um i think you kind of might have to let go and just go with that premise and think i'm of gonna it's have to go life. back to it i just haven't Got back to it. I don't think Sheila will go back to it with me. So one day when she's working or something, I will, All right. uh, I will watch And it. I will save my notes on that. Okay. And since we're on the speaking of portion of the program, yes, yes. Um, speaking of a uh, head full of ideas that are driving me insane, yesterday was old weird Bob Dylan's 80th birthday. Well, yes, it what was. What the hell? Yes, it was. And in fact, I took a note saying that um, there's a Bob Dylan song in Seoul which I was oh, yeah. going to talk to you about. So that'll be something in the future. Well, happy birthday, Bob Dylan. Happy birthday, Bob Dylan. Uh, <laughs> managed, to get to, managed to get to 80 with a, a fairly uh, crazy lifestyle. Uh, but, you know, I thought, how did, he, how did he get to be 80? Because he's somebody who, a performer who's certainly very much part of my uh, mid-teens to into my adulthood. The right. sound of that period of my sure. life is, sure. you know, uh, I... I when I heard that he turned 80, the first thing I thought of was when I I bought this album called Blood on the Tracks 
I think that's um, and, his best album. And I bought it because <laughs> I had heard uh, a song on it, a crazy long song called Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. And mm -hmm. I'd never heard anything like that. And I thought, I have to hear more of this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I bought that, uh, I bought that album and I wore it out. <laughs> I think I probably knew every note in that, right, in that album. Right. I listened to it so many times and I hadn't even realized that this was a guy who had this, was a famous rock and roll guy in the sixties. You know, I had right. no idea. But later, well, what, what year is I discovered one of the tracks? all yeah. I would have thought that was like the sixties or something. Blood of the Tracks was 74? Oh, okay. 75? All right. All right. Well, what do I know? Yeah. Oh. I think that is one of his best. But I mean, that's, you know, everybody's going to have a favorite. But um, yeah, that's pretty good. I almost bought some more whiskey the other day. <laughs> I was thinking about buying to celebrate. some more whiskey to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. your local aging rock star. <laughs> that's right. Buy his whiskey. Yes. Um, I went to Tai Chi today. How'd and that go? I, it went pretty good. Um, I... I'll, except I broke into the laughs and I couldn't stop laughing because we set up a Zoom meeting and part of the Tai Chi is instructed on, or Qigong is instructed on the Zoom thing. And the leader's partner ran by, by into the kitchen without any clothes on except boxer shorts. And I just could not stop laughing at all. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just kept on doing their exercises. Wow. <laughs> it was right out of an SNL skit. skit. Very good. And uh, yeah, and I also feel like I have no body strength again and no time and um, trying to amend all that. Maybe French cooking isn't the next hobby I should take up. <laughs> well, I think you should get lots of practice. And then next time uh, you come to Toronto and stay with us, right. you can practice on us. Sounds good. Well, I'm hoping, I'm aiming for June 18th. That's that's the... I the, hope the border the, opens one of these days. That would be that's great. That's the LZ point I have right now the landing zone for uh, June 18th I know it looks um, like it Uncle seems... Doug is going to let uh, East Texas Red and I go on our canoe trip which is good oh good yeah I was looking at all the variations and it seems like it's directly related to how many percentages of the people have the full vaccine so yes that's going to be a lot and yes, now we're, we're oh, working listen... at trying to get our oh. second dose now um, United Airlines has got a contest. If you send them your a photo of your vaccination uh, card, you'll enter a contest to win a year of uh, free flights. But the problem is you have to fly United. <laughs> well, aren't they the, the, the company that the, the guy wrote the song about, like United Breaks Guitars? Oh, I don't know that, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. No, that's what I mean. But anyway, I'll look I that up that and we can of, put that on Facebook. I thought it was kind of amazing page. that they were that there was a kind of a promo there. I thought that was a great way to, to get people to get vaccinated. A year of free flights. Can you imagine that? I can't, I can't even imagine traveling anywhere. Really. I know, right? I know. I know, because I think, I think you'd be afraid to go still traveling too many places. And now it looks like it's coming out that the Wuhan um, lab did leak out and had several uh, employees get sick in November. Oh yeah. I don't think it was on purpose. They, um, the people I heard talking about it with the CDC and, and other um, virologists said that they're all. It, it isn't just Wuhan. It's also United States was involved with testing cures and treatments for viruses, 
And it's not uncommon for a pandemic to accidentally start from that kind of experimentation. I that reminds me of uh, an episode of The Americans. It sure does. Me too. That's exactly what I thought about was the, um, that episode of The Americans with that Dylan Baker, that great actor. Oh, and he was so good. He's so good. And then now it's looking like it's going to be um, criminal, a cover-up because China should have fessed up and said, it, said these guys were sick, we're sorry, and let's stop this and not have it go around the world. Yeah. I mean, does someone get charged with that, with a criminal cover-up? I don't know. When it's a country like the Geneva? I have no I idea. Well, okay, well then... And I also, because, either. I mean, I have no idea even if that news story has is accurate. Who knows, right? No, you're right. You don't know. You don't know because it's, it's yeah. And it's still in investigation and they're asking for um, everything to be revealed surrounding that lab. So, anywho, that's what's happening. Um, I watched, I, speaking of podcasts again, I think I told you when I was driving down to Miami that we started listening to the podcast that put podcasts on the map. It's called Serial, and it's part of an NPR program, and it was about a, a murder case in 1999 into 2000, where a high school student was charged with killing his ex-girlfriend. So we finally, we didn't finish it on the road trip. We finished it here last week. And um, like, there's something like 12 episodes. And then I immediately went into a, an HBO documentary that was made in 2018, I think, called The Case Against Asnan Saeed, the fellow that's charged with murder. And he's been in prison now for over 20 years. He says he's innocent. And then they proceed to, on this podcast, go through every high school student and where everybody was and if you ever wanted to remember what high school was like, I recommend this podcast wow. because everyone was like, they were so high in pot. They don't know what day it was. One guy <laughs> says that he saw the body in the back of his, this guy's trunk and helped bury it. And the guy who's charged with it said that didn't happen. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Then they go back and look at school records and it would be impossible for them to be here or there unless they were skipping school. And no one can remember anything anyway. It's a pretty good podcast, though. <laughs> but basically, what I got from it was that even murderers deserve a fair, proper trial. And I will say that this guy, whether he did it or not, did not get a proper trial. It seems to me that maybe the police know something that they can't use as evidence, and the courts know something, and they've just kept him in prison. But his family and he say he's innocent, and they're standing by it. We've been following some true crime as well yes, around here. Yes. I haven't seen all episodes of this. Sheila has seen more than I have. Uh -huh. uh, it's called Confronting a Serial Killer. Oh, yeah. I, I've been watching it, too. I've probably watched two and a half episodes, three. It is, yeah. it is just so creepy. It's so creepy. But I have to say, who cares about the serial killer? How about that journalist? She's stealing the show. She's amazing. She's such a compelling person. Uh, her name is uh, Jillian Lauren. That's right. She um, is an, she's a writer and a journalist, and um, she's published got a few books, a couple of books published, and um, she is a compelling host. And she's got the ear of the serial killer. 
And I mean, I, I can't stop watching her. And by yeah. having the ear, it means he drew pictures of his victims and sent them to her. Yep, that's true. And, yes, you know, and they, would, they would have everything. phone conversations yep. and she would say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I really wanted to know about, um, and he, she would have a name or, or, uh, or a location. Uh, could you tell me about that one? Yes, and, yes. And he does. And in, in fact, detail. She, she has managed to help uh, open up cold case files of unexplained murders and missing girls. And she's found the bodies and helped them put the name to the body by, by telling this guy. And what she did, she made a bargain with him. She said, you'll not die alone as long as you keep telling me the truth about what you did. And so she is his buddy. And he always can phone her. He phones her almost every day. And um, they talk and talk and talk and she records it. And he has told her all of the murders he's had. And it looks like there's dozens, if not a hundred. I think he's, he confessed in 93. There you go. There you go. So he's um, the most prolific. What an honor, huh? The most prolific serial killer in American history. Right. Uh, right. And he was charged, I guess, a number of times and kept getting off. Right. And I'm wondering if there's going to turn out to be some reason. I, I mean, mainly the reason that he got off on all of these things is because he was killing sex workers and women. And That's no one right. cares what happens to women and no one cares about sex workers. So they just would forgive this guy over and over and over again. And he and, says it to her in one of their telephone conversations. She asks how he chooses the victims. And, and he says, I find people who won't be missed. And the lowest of the low in our society, considered so. Um, and she's very compelling because she says that she worked as a sex worker. Uh, she was in a harem with a prince in Dubai or Brunei, Brunei apparently in real life. And she's also married to um, a rock star, uh, uh, Shriner from Weezer. So she is such a compelling Los Angeles personality. You know, I'm watching the show almost as much for her as for the creepy, um, story of this serial killer. Well, yeah, she's a star, and it, it 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 isn't lost on me that she's making a show. She's putting on a show here. She's not just reporting, and she's not just um, trying to identify all the victims and get closure and all of that. She's no. also got a business opportunity here, and um, and she is a star performer in this. Well, yes, I agree with that, but I, I, I wouldn't, I would call her a journalist. I would call her a writer, and I, I, I think that that is a job, and you make money on it. And um, I think that she's done some actual, viable, good work. Yes, for sure. And I think a lot of young women are going to love this show. It's really for young women, and um, I mean, she's cool looking, she's fashionable, she's obviously an aesthetic. And she's part of, you know, mainstream pop culture. She's, um, you, you don't get as big as, as Weezer very easily. And um, to be part of that family of uh, Los Angeles musicians, uh, she's extremely uh, going to reach a lot of girls, I think, and a lot of females, and a lot of women on, on HBO and with this story. Because we love our murder. <laughs> um, you know, it reminds me of the kind of treatment when I went to the Paul Bernardo um, trial because she said she got some treatment at first too where people were like who is she like why is she doing this but um, I went to the Paul Bernardo trial a couple of times and we had eggs thrown at us and everyone in line was um, 
either a rape crisis counselor or a feminist or working about protesting for women's protection. And I mean, how long ago was that? That was the 1990s. And um, so I see her as really working in a, in a field that has really changed because of podcasts and these um, documentaries that is really bringing the sexism of the police and society to the forefront. Because that's really what she's selling here. Is she's selling the story that we hate women in our society. We don't care about them. It doesn't matter that they die. And we'll just let these serial killers off or these murderers off. Um, the women that she interviewed that are also profiled, two of the survivors are pretty amazing. The blonde oh, yeah. woman, I forgot her name, but she's a compelling person too. She asked to see the, the, um, the, the DA that failed at catching this guy many decades ago. And also how, how people live through this and have to have that kind of feeling and guilt. And she had, she had a lot of guilt about protecting other women in the future. That's why she wanted him to go to prison. Uh, it's just a, it's a really good documentary in a lot of ways. Um, maybe some of the artwork and the filming isn't as strong as I would like to see, but I don't think they have a lot of material. And so they found I, ways I didn't to make it. Find that was an issue. Okay, I, I, yeah, I thought the yeah. whole story was just so compelling. It's so and compelling. she was so compelling. She really uh, is. Um, plus, really is. all the the interviews with this scary, creepy man. Oh my god! Talking oh. dispassionately about how he killed all these women. Oh yeah, it's, and, and it's, she's got all the recordings, and they if you can't hear it, they have it typed out. I mean, it's really um, enforced in there how callous and damaged she was. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I think I've got one or two more. So Sam Little uh, died in December. Oh, he did. Interesting. Yes. December of... Uh, Interesting. Yeah, December of 2020. December Very 30th, 2020. Wow. And uh, interestingly, he claimed that, uh, that his mother... Uh, was a prostitute or a sex worker. Right, right, right. Yeah, he does say that. And that she also came on to him, that she was um, very messed up. Obviously, she was an alcoholic. I, I don't know if he got that far, but he is describing living with her at one point, And she climbs into his bed and she had cirrhosis. So she, that tells you that she was had a, a substance abuse. And, um, well, and, and he, I mean, he messed around with various substances as well. There was a number right. of spots in there where, where he talks about um, picking up the sex worker uh, who wanted to smoke her crack cocaine and he smoked with her, or right. she wanted to shoot her heroin and he shot up too. Right, right. Um, so he participated in those activities and got high with the women. Right. And well, then proceeded to kill them. Yes, yes, no, it's it's so gross. Um, and then his artwork, he's actually an extremely talented portrait artist. I was pretty impressed with those drawings. It was so disturbing to me that he was uh, so good at getting their expressions. Yes, and she points out that in the drawings, he draws in um, heaviness petechial, around petechial, the eyes. With, the petechial bleeding. Yeah, that's yes. what happens when you get strangled. When you get strangled. So he's obviously shot. envisioning his victims at uh, the point at which they're strangled. And that's what he's drawing. Right. And he did have these fantasies from, he got into strangulation pretty young. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Another thing, if you think about the pre-Raphaelites, you know those pre-Raphaelite paintings, they always have the necks extended. Yes. 
portraits. Yeah, and another word for the neck is cervix. And it's a phallic shape. And so there's a lot of weird motif in there that, uh, you know, you can see a young child who's been damaged and abused and beaten, maybe picking up on this and it's giving him some kind of relief. It's, it's pretty scary. Um, yeah, very good series, very good show. I had one other thought that has left me and uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. I can't think of it. It seems I've watched more true crime dramas in the past year than ever. <laughs> Is it I, maybe because, well, first of all, I think a lot are being released on, on streaming services. Uh, yes, and you're a bad influence. And I'm a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Stake walks by and he goes, what is it, murder again? Like, you know, what? It, I think the thing is, though, it's so gratifying in, when the world is filled with chaos to see someone who is wrong being caught. Yes. And also the mystery of the human mind. You want to know, why am I, why didn't that happen to me? Thank God that didn't happen to me. This is somebody out there. And it's also a cautionary tale. It's like a bad fairy tale. You don't want it to happen to you and don't go to the second location. Yes. Don't go you know, to the you're learning location. all of this exactly. stuff. And, you know, and uh, for me, I'm glad when I find out young people watch these shows because I want them to be prepared. I want them to stay safe and to believe us. You know, when Paul Bernardo happened, I was like, finally, a mother's nightmares bitching to their kids has been justified. You know, we're always like, don't go out in alleys. Don't go here. Don't go there. Dave, phone me from the party. There's a reason we're so paranoid. Oh, yeah. Or I was as a parent. <laughs> Maybe not everyone's so paranoid. Yeah, great, great, great stuff. Well, you watched The Jinx. That was so good, right? Oh, the yeah. Jinx changed a lot. That was in 2016, too. And that kind of was that blossoming where suddenly murder left the realm of just being. Um, the cozies. Have you ever heard of the term cozies? Cozies no. are like your are your mystery books that you like to read. You're all cozy in your chair and you read. Oh, books. okay, got it, got yeah, it. Cozies. So cozies now have gone beyond gender, and I think that they're just getting more and more popular with people. Oh, and then there was that uh, uh, that wacky story about uh, about the uh, the transsexual. Uh, the Dale. Yes. I guess that is a crime story. That's a true crime it is a, story. Yes, it yeah. is a true crime story. Absolutely. Is. Yep. Um, yep, is. With wacky animation and oh, yeah. um, a stranger than life true story plot. You just That's can't make right. it up. Hey, but listen, our listeners don't know it. it was you who turned me on to Mindhunter. You texted me and said, you got to watch this show on Netflix and the serial killers are the best part. <laughs> and that was did I really am I responsible for that I know I should I should go back and look in my text and see if I could find it <laughs> yeah and then I started watching it then I was texting other people like oh my god you have to watch this it was very compelling are they making any more of that I'm sure there's going to be a third season I'm quite confident especially now that they can work again yeah I you know I I read one of the books um the series is based on I guess a number of books Okay. And I read one of them. I think I read it too. <laughs> uh, and it bothered me that how different the book was from the oh, series. Yeah. Oh. It bothered me that the book didn't do the same kind of character exploration that the series was doing. Of the, the, the of the law enforcement or of the serial killers? Both. The, uh, oh. the like the, the series 
looked at the the characters of law enforcement and what they were doing and right. uh, on a backdrop of the 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 characters who were the serial killers uh, but because the book is more of a straightforward narration by one of the right. law enforcement. And I'm going to say that, you know, he went to school to study law enforcement. He didn't go to, he didn't practice writing. So I think his story is very, um, you know, it's going to be very much like he might write reports in that way. I, I read that too. Um, and I think I read it quite a long time before Mindhunter, actually, before they made that show. But there you get that poetic poetry and the writers and creativity and it's it's pulling out all of that stuff i don't think it's entirely fake but i think they definitely are making it visibly more interesting i mean of course, the guy in the FBI, he's not going to be telling us how much he likes his car uh, and yet in the film they can put those cool cars in there right that's and right and they can get it, it into uh their uh, the officers' relationships with their their spouses or uh, significant others uh, in ways in which was just irrelevant to the books. Right, right. You know, and I mean, there's some of that. But of course, the characters are also different. You have to say, oh, this character was sort of that character. Uh-huh. That's true. That's true. You know, you forget when something is done in a very compelling way that it's fiction. That's one of the <laughs> yeah. beauties of fiction, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, when you fictionalize uh, actual events, that that puts it in a weird space for me. Yeah. Right. When you have actual characters, but you fictionalize some of what they've done, uh, it's, I think it's a very interesting space, but it's a, it's a precarious one. Uh, I guess the thing is, though, whether or not you're going to tell anyone that. Because if you're doing a biopic, everyone knows that. But if you're building something and you're creating a character, it could be your neighbor. And you don't really, if you've got a few things that inspired you about that person to put it onto a character, maybe you're not going to tell anybody. Maybe it's not going to be an issue. But a biopic is an issue. And that and there's all kinds of websites where people get really pissed off when there's too much put in there, you know, that was fake. Well, I, I read a book a while ago that was, um, it was a like a biography of an actual person in Newfoundland um, in which the writer chose to invent uh, a whole love story uh, and attach it to the backdrop of the real person's story. Okay. It really bothered me. I it was it was a very compelling book, right. but it bothered me because it was messing with the actual history. Well, I can't think of something that I've had that feeling with, of a real of a fictional story about a real person. I I read a, a, a the boy oh, who sorry loved... Baltimore's Mansion was the name of the book. Oh, I love that title. But I read a, a book about um, Anne Frank's imagined like boyfriend, the boy who loved Anne Frank. And it was really good, but it wasn't really, it was, it, there was a mention of Peter in her diaries. So they created a book on this guy, a novel on that guy. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and I don't remember anything specific, but it didn't bother me that it was, there's some things though that do bother me if they're too fictionalized. I, I, I know what you mean. It's one yeah. thing to take it as a stepping off point that you're inspired by because 
Um, you know, I think of David Lynch, I think he does take some things. He has a lot of active imagination, but sometimes he does play with things that are true. And it's just enough to make you see that he's not exaggerating. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Now I'm thinking, was it Baltimore's mansion or was it uh, Wayne Johnson is the name of the writer and it may have been colony of unrequited dreams. I don't know which one it was. Cause I think you did talk about it here. I recognize his name, Wayne Johnson. Yeah. And it was about Joey Smallwood. I mean, the most famous Newfoundlander. Yes. Yeah. And then you, the backstory was too fake. Well, it was just, It was a real character, but the the author created events that never happened. Oh. Maybe it was well, like Schindler's that could have List, happened. Schindler's List was a fiction, but it was based on true events. And I think he might have used some of the true names, but he elaborated that storyline. And then the movie was made about it, of course, too. I read the novel and it wasn't the greatest writing in the world, but the premise was so fascinating that you know, I enjoyed the book. The movie was a hundred times better than the book. And the book was a novel, but it was like an historical novel, I guess. The, the book that I'm thinking of, in fact, was or is The Colony of Unrequited Dreams. Okay. I just looked it up because now I had to know. And that's about Joey Smallwood. Yeah. Uh, yes, that The Colony of Unrequited Dreams is a novel about Newfoundland that centers on the story of Joe Smallwood, the true life controversial political figure who ushered the island through confederation with Canada right. and became its first premier. Narrated from Smallwood's perspective, it voices a deep longing on the part of the Newfoundlander to do something significant commensurate with the greatness of the land itself. I don't like that blurb. Yeah. But it was a good book, you said. It was a good book, yes. It was, it was a nice <laughs> Uh, it was also a, an opportunity for me to learn uh, some Canadian history that I really didn't know too much about. And the ushering of Newfoundland into Confederation is something that uh, is an interesting story because uh, for those of you not in Canada, you may not know that that Newfoundland entered Confederation much, much later than yeah the rest of the provinces. Right. Uh, and a, a lot of it centered around this politician, Joey Smallwood, uh, who was like Mr. Newfoundland. <laughs> Good idea for a novel though. So it was a novel. It, it was a novel, but it was a historical novel using real characters, okay. but it invented <laughs> this, uh, this character um, of a lifelong friend, um, who becomes a, a, a newspaper columnist and a hard drinker with a sharp tongue, right? <laughs> and they have a love-hate relationship. Okay. And it may have really spiced up the story, but okay. it kind of bugged me at the same time. Okay. Hmm. Maybe something about messing with history that bugs me. Right. But finding a way to have the story told, yes. So I'm going to recommend that book, by the oh. way, and I will I will put it in uh, on the, the okay. book list. All right. Um, I got Brad Fraser's memoir in the mail this week. I haven't started reading it. He's a playwright from Canada who I greatly admire. He wrote Love and Human Remains, mm -hmm. which was a cool play and a really cool movie. And um, 
the, the book's called All the Rage. And I thought that was a very cute uh, title because it sounds like decadent lifestyle, but also some buried anger in there. So I'm looking forward to reading that. And just the intro is interesting. It's the way it's written. He's very funny. So I'm I'd looking like, forward to it. I'd like to ask our listeners, what are you reading these days? Yes. Do you yes. have any books you'd like to recommend we read? Or... Um, uh, maybe books we've talked about that you got around to reading and you want to pick a bone with us uh, or two. Uh, <laughs> is that the right or phrase? Or thank us or be grateful. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. Candy, that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know I would never. Well, I actually, know. I might just again. But I shouldn't <laughs> it, say never. <laughs> I think if I was deeply deluded, you might have to do that. Yes, if I was, if I wouldn't come out of a corner. Well, yeah. that's going to be an interesting project, this attempt to write right. a story together. I know. I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea. Either do I. But people uh, do I, do it. People do it. There's people who co-write mystery books together. Could you think of any examples? Um, I think they're called, I've got one on my shelf, and I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Preston and Burgess or something like that. Preston and Lee. Okay, that's the only example I have, and that's not very many. So one, two people have done it before. <laughs> I think there have been some books that have been written by a group of authors who pass the manuscript around, and, oh. and they keep building on the manuscript. Is that a good so, idea? Uh, it, who knows? It's an interesting that's idea. Like, that, it is an interesting idea, and it starts to make me nervous. Um, I guess that is a bit like having, um, yeah, you're going to have, let's like 20 people writing The Wire, so maybe we need to look at how people write The Wire or write um, The Americans. They have huge committees on that. I think they I think they get together and they have discussions, right? Discussions. And they're probably in the same town. <laughs> yeah, they have a you know a nice a nice place with a comfy chairs right? and a bar. Yep. And and a coffee uh, coffee machine, and then they have a big whiteboard and chalkboards where they can write things, and notes, and tie up storylines. Well, you know, I was thinking a whiteboard would really be helpful for me. Oh. Maybe yeah. we need to see if there's such a thing I as a, a whiteboard. virtual whiteboard. There is. That we can add to. I like to, how I just say that there is. <laughs> that we can add to and... You know, we, we could put like post-it notes on the whiteboard. Like, I'm not sure where you're going with this idea, Candy. Or, oh, I love this. Let's develop this further. So we could give one another hints as to uh, the, right. the possibilities we could both live with. Right. Yeah, there is a there there are virtual whiteboards. We need one. A, right. a shared virtual whiteboard. All right. Let's get that going. <laughs> Any listeners out there, uh, have you used any kind of virtual whiteboards? You know, I know there's things like Evernote, and you could probably share Evernote, but um, I hate that program, so I won't okay, use it. Okay, well, we won't use that one, but there is, there. I think it's called virtual whiteboard or something, so um, I know it's out there. Okay. I mean, people consider Google Docs like that, but that's not what we mean. We want to scribble. I think we need to, yes, we need to be able to have some kind of, let's call it an interface, which is what Free a whiteboard online really whiteboard. is, in which you could just throw up ideas that okay. can just sit there and, right. you know, you could draw lines between them, you could circle them, you could scribble some out, you can turn some upside down, you can do things to them right. as you develop what's going on. 15 million plus users trust Miro worldwide. So there, it's literally called... I. 
It's literally called a whiteboard, online work whiteboard, collaborative whiteboarding. Okay. Excellent. Well, there. we're gonna it's we're gonna there. do that then. All right. Okay, and I'll talk to you. To, I'll talk to you on the on the whiteboard. <laughs> and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. All and right. I want to thank our listeners for yeah. uh, for sticking with us. We thank love you. We especially want to thank our patrons. And thank we, we are going to uh, put the Patreon information up today uh, uh, with today's episode. Uh, so if uh, if you love this podcast and you'd like to help us out with uh, with a tip here and there, we'd really appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, it helps us pay the bills and um, it takes a, a lot of effort and a little bit of expense to uh, to put these things together. Um, we've done, I think, is this 98 now? Is this? Wow. Maybe number 98. We're closing in on 100. Okay. That's a lot of talking. Let's try talks. to have a chapter for episode 100. I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking with your head. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.